Anything? No, it's already recording. What? Recording. Okay. <laughs> That's all right? He had a gizmo, Michael. What about gizmos? How you doing? Okay, it's uh, I guess it's not a great omen that you can't get into the Shia, but it reminds us, you know, it's, uh, in the world that I live in, several sad things happened this week. One of them, of course, was that uh, Michael Miller passed away, and um, you see, we miss him, because he was the one I, who opened the door on Thursday nights. There's another tragedy that happened in the circle that I live in. I know you probably heard that Noam Levy was killed this morning, well, last night. Um, they said they didn't know if it was enemy fire or friendly fire. When they say that, they usually mean that they know that it's friendly fire. And uh, Noam was the son of a couple, both of whom were students of mine, the father and the mother. And um, they came in Aliyah about 10 years ago and moved to Mitzvah um, Tofa, which is somewhere near uh, La Vie. I guess that'd be a more recognizable uh, place for some of you. So his Levaya is tomorrow morning in Mitzvah Tofa, so that's sad. So I'd like to, you know, Talmud Torah is. Uh, is always something that is dedicatable. So I'd like to dedicate it to both of these, uh, this year to both of these uh, persons who uh, meant something in our world and in my world as well. What we want to talk about tonight is uh, Svirata Omer, which uh, the mitzvah of Svirata Omer appears in two places in the Chumash. But the first place is here in the parasha of Emor. In the parasha of Emor. Now, the psukim of Surat Omer were taken very seriously by Chazal. And they defined the mitzvah of Surat Omer, of counting the Omer, very precisely. So in order to see what the mitzvah of Surat Omer is about, we have to look a little bit at the Psukim and, of course, at Rashi. So the first Pasuk says, Usfartem lachem mimacharat shabbat I mean, you all know, Usfartem lachem. And you will count for you. We don't know exactly what that means, as the Mephoshim will tell us. Mimacharat shabbat Rashi says, Mimacharat Yom Tov. You all know that this was an issue in uh, the time of the Rambam, the time of the Ibn Ezra, the time of uh, the classical Mephoshim, what this word Shabbat means. Now the Karaites, the Karaites were Jews who um, insisted that the rabbinic tradition was not always accurate. It's not true that they disagreed with everything. They were Jews. They looked like Jews and they sounded like Jews. And they acted very often like Jews, but there were certain points about which they distinguished themselves, these Karaites. For example, uh, the Karaites did not light fires on Shabbat. And so they didn't cook on Shabbat. They didn't cook on Shabbat. They used to eat the food they ate on Shabbat was always cold. They couldn't, they didn't figure out this deal with Plata and Cholent and all of that. And so you know that there's a famous statement that was made by Rav Sa'ad Yagaon, who of course was violently opposed to these Karaites, that if you don't eat hot food on Shabbos, you're probably not Jewish. Right? He didn't mean it as an anti-diet kind of statement. What he meant was that you know, he, is he could be suspected of being a Karaite. Now the Karaites... The Karaites started in the 9th or 10th century, and one of the, one of the, the, the main uh, interpretive differences with the other Jews was this pasuk. 
They said that Mimocharata Shabbat means that you have to start counting the days of Sfira from the first Shabbat of Pesach. Whatever that Shabbat falls out. Shabbat could have been the first day, could have been the third day, the fifth day. Whenever that day comes, you start counting the 49 days that bring you to Shavuot. So according to them, Shavuot, the distance from Pesach to Shavuot, was variable. It changed every year. right? Because if the first day of Pesach was uh, Shabbat, then 49 days later was Shavuot. But if the fifth day of Pesach was Shabbat, then it was 49 days after the fifth day of Pesach. So on this point, there was, there was a disagreement. And that disagreement is already related in the Gemara in Menachot. I mean, it's like even earlier. There was, this is not, it's not, uh, probably not an invention of the Karaites, but it's some kind of an issue that, uh, that people had with the Torah. They couldn't understand why, if the Torah meant to say the day after Pesach, that it kept saying Shabbat. And the word Shabbat appears again and again in this parasha, as we will see. But if you look at Rashi, Rashi like deals with it immediately. Mocharat Shabbat, mi Mocharat Yom Tov. That's Rashi. That's Rashi. There's no two ways about it. Uh, you start counting as we do the day after the first day of Pesach. That's how we count in Eretz Yisrael. And in Chutzlaret. So, you know, you have this kind of weird situation where Shavuot falls out on the same day in Eretz Yisrael and in Chutzlaret. Now, you may not think that that's so weird, but somebody could have said that you have Yom Tov Sheini Shogaluyot in Chutzlaret. So you have two days of Pesach in the beginning. Maybe Bukharat Shabbat is the day after the second day, right? The day after, after all, why not? But somehow we managed to get it together. And, and so Shavuot falls on the same day for all the Jews all over the world, except, of course, the Jews of Chutzlars have a second day of Shavuot. Right, like this year. Uh, this year Shavuot's on Friday. Right, so everybody has this problem with Friday, Shabbos, and Sunday, except that in Chutzlars they call Shabbos Yom Tov. They call it Shavuot, and we call it Shabbos. We call it Shabbos, which then produces a problem for the people who are in Chutzlar, it's coming to Eretz Yisrael because they miss a parasha. In other words, the Shabbos week, the second day of Shavuot, the second day of Shavuot in Chutzlar, is Shavuot, so the special Kriyat Torah. So we don't resume the Kriyat Torah, which this year is Naso, until the week later. But in Eretz Yisrael, they say Naso a week earlier. Now eventually, we get it together. Right, but there's an interim period where it's not the same. The interim period where it's not the same, so that you know, you give the you give the parashashir in Eretz Yisrael, you're like ahead a week in Chuslarz. Like the people of Chuslarz have a whole week to tune in. You know, like it's like a new relaxed state. So here's the parasha. And then the the um uh, the Chumash goes on to describe the two points from when to when in another language, right? We just said Mimocharat Shabbat, that's the day after Yom Tov. Now there's another way of saying this. What is the other way? Miyom Haviachemit Omer HaTunufa. Omer is a measure, and Tunufa is a heaving. There was a heaving offering, there was a korban that was brought on that day, the day after the first day of Pesach, Sheva Shabbatot Mimoti Yedem. Shabbatot, Sheva Shabbatot, means probably seven weeks, a Shabbat. The word Shabbat means the seventh day of the week, but it also can mean a week, right? A Shabbat. Mi Shabbat the Shabbat means a week. So, Sheva Shabbatot, and then that word Mimot. That word tamimot is kind of a, a mystery, right? Tamimot. The word tamim means whole, unblemished, um, without any, without any, anything wrong. What does Rashi say? How does Rashi explain it? He says, "Mlamed shematchil umone mi ba'erev shemlokein einan tamimot." So we know that, according to the Torah, you have to sit, count. 
49 days. Every day, you count the next day. But the Pasuk says that the counting has to be done in a tmimot manner. Now, how do you do that? What does that mean? That you have to count Svirat HaOmer at the beginning of the day. So that the whole day will be counted. You can't count... In other words, L'Chathchila, a priori, we count the today, tonight. Right? We count tonight. And therefore, the whole day is counted. Uh, but you can't count tomorrow. L'Chathchila. In other words, if you want to do the mitzvah in the right way, you can't do it tomorrow. If you forget tonight, then you do it tomorrow without a bracha, then you can continue. But in general... You only say a bracha when you do it right. And when you do it right, you do the beginning of the day. Right? So my son reminded me that there is a, a question that people ask. So how come, you know, when we do it, we daven mariv, right? And then we count svirat to omer. But maybe we should really count svirat to omer first. And then daven mariv. Why should we? Okay, so that's one of those good questions, you know, that you can kind of annoy people with. Uh, well, this is how we do it. Tadir. Wait, what? What did you say? Tadir tadir, maybe. No, it's not Tadir. It's not... Mariv is Tadir. Right, so you comes first. Yeah, but the time for Mariv is until Chatzot. It doesn't matter when you say Mariv. It's only... It's only Sveat uh, Omer uh, that has to be Tamim. So what's it with Tadir Tadir you only say when two things are equal. You have like you say A or B. So one has to come first. I don't know which one. So I'll say I have a principle like that. But here I know which one has to come first. Svirata Omer has to come first. It's only about Svirata Omer that the Torah says to me most. So it has to come first, but we don't do it that way. So that's what the Pasuk says. Admi Maharata Shabbat. So here again, doesn't mean that you count 50 days. Of course, you know, with numbers, the Torah is always kind of unclear. You count 49 days, which then Memela tell you when the 50th day is. But on the 50th day, that Shavuot, we don't count the 50th day. We only count 49 days. We count 7 times 7. So it means uh, that you count till you know the 50th day, which means you count 49 days. So according to the description here in the Torah, the 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 Mesrata Omer, Mesrata Omer is from bringing a korban to bringing another korban. We bring the korban on the second day of Pesach. We bring the korban on Shavuot, and the interim time is the other days that we count Mesrata Omer. And the other thing we learned is that it has to be tamim, that you have to count Mesrata Omer at the beginning of the night. Or as soon in, as as you can in the in the night time, etc. And then it says, "Mimoshvotechem taviu lechem tenufah shtaim shnei asudim solat yedechamais tiafenu bikurim l'Hashem." And then we bring bikurim. When when do we bring the bikurim? On Shavuot, right? You know that there's that song. All the kids learn how to sing about bikurim. Or maybe they don't learn how to sing it because it was like a, a Zionist invention. You know, the Zion, when they first came to Eretz, when the Chalutzim came to Eretz Yisrael, they tried to, they weren't, they weren't so into uh, Isurei Melacha, but they were interested in making a little uh, Jewish color to their lives. So one of the days that they liked was Shavuot because it was Chag Bikurim, and that had something to do with agriculture. And so they made up these songs that kids used to sing. I don't they sing them anymore. Uh, so then the other psukim, the other psukim are about, the other psukim are about uh, the korbanot that you bring on Shavuot. So if you learn these psukim, if you look at these psukim, there is no doubt, there is no doubt that the counting of the, of the Omer, the counting of the Omer, uh, is the counting of 49 days from bringing a korban to bringing another korban. That's what the psukim, that's what the psukim said. And if that's the case, there's absolutely no rationale to the fact that we count for, why should we count for the Omer? We have a problem. Why couldn't the Torah just tell us the date of Shavuot? 
Why couldn't the Torah tell us, if the Torah tells the date of Pesach, and the Torah tells the date of Sukkot, and the Torah tells the date of Rosh Hashanah and Yom HaKippurim, why couldn't the Torah just tell us the day of Shavuot, or the day that we have to bring these Korbanot? What does Sfirah, what does counting the 49 days from uh, the Korban of the Omer, tell the Korban of Bikurim, what does counting have to do with anything? What does it have to do with uh, what's going on? Because, because even if I, I don't know the count, but I'll know when Shavuot is, just like I know when Pesach is, I know when Sukkot is. So if you turn over the, this uh, the sheet, and you'll see on the sheet that this is mentioned the second time, this idea of counting. And the second time is in Devarim uh, Parakhet Zion. The Torah says the following. You have to count seven weeks. Rashi says, Remember the word over means a, a quantity, it's a measure. You cut down a certain amount of wheat, and you know that from that time, you can eat from the new wheat. That's called hadash. Right before you cut it down, you can't, you could only eat yashan, you can't eat hadash. But from this time on, you can eat hadash. Hadash is, has become an issue in modern times, as you know. It's not an issue in Eretz Israel, particularly because traditionally, I think, I mean, maybe I'm mistaken about this because these things change all the time. But I remember when I uh, had to answer this question when I was a Rav uh, This is a question that came up. Wheat that's used in Israel for making bread is all imported. The wheat that's grown in Israel, by according to some agreements that they have, the wheat that's grown in Israel is all all used for animal food. It's all fed to the, to the cattle or the sheep or whoever eats that kind of stuff. So the bread that we eat is all made from bread that's imported. And years ago, when the silos in America and Canada were filled, and you could never, it seemed like you could never use up the wheat that was stored in America or Canada, there was never a problem of chadash at all. Because all the wheat that came to Israel, all the wheat, the grain that came to Israel was years old. It wasn't even from this year. It was from years ago, and so there was never a problem of Chadash. Today, my understanding, even though I don't know that much about this, is that the silos in America and Canada are not as filled as they used to be. So they send out wheat that was grown this year. But I think, you know, it's grown more recently. I don't know about this year. But apparently there's still an agreement that the wheat that they get in Israel should be yashar. Should be from whatever the previous year happens to be. That's the way I understand it. So that there's no problem about chadash in the bread that's made in Israel. Even though sometimes you hear about a bakery in some odd place that used the homegrown wheat to make the bread, and that's a, that could be a problem. But generally, generally that's, the, that's another thing that happens at this time of Surat Omer, right? Another thing that happens. But then the Pasuk says, Pasuk Yud, so you see that the second time that the mitzvah of Svirata Omer is mentioned in the Torah, it is connected clearly to Chag HaShavuot. It's clearly connected to Chag HaShavuot. What Chag HaShavuot is, is not clear. But when we think of Chag HaShavuot, we think always of Zman Matan Right, that's what we think about. But in the Torah, there's no Zman Matan Toratenu, but there is Shavuot. And Shavuot always came out, always came out on a certain day. It didn't always 
uh, again, I don't want to get into this because it's very complicated, but you have to understand that if there is an, a calendar as we have today, we can arrange it so that the Chag called Shavuot always comes out on Vav, Nisa, Vav Sivan. Vav Sivan, the sixth day of Sivan, is the date that is given in the Torah, in the Gemara, even though it's a machloket in the Gemara, but let's say, let's agree, that Vav Sivan is the day of Matan Torah. Even though in the Gemara there's no agreement, there's, some, there's a machloket, Vav Sivan or Zion Sivan. But let's say it comes out on Vav Sivan. Now we know that today, when you look at your calendar, which you have hanging on your refrigerators, and you look at the calendar, you look at Shavuot, it always says Vav Sivan. But how do we do that? Well, it's easy. We, we say Tet Vav Nisan, then we write down Vav Sivan, and we fill in all the blanks. We, we, make, the, we make it come out that way. We, just, we make it come out that way. We call that a calendar, an intercalated calendar. But you have to understand that in the time of the Torah, how did they declare the new moon? They looked. They looked up at heaven. And therefore, any month that was coming up, you never knew if it had 29 days or if it had 30 days, right? If it was cloudy, as it was here in, in Yerushalayim, on Motzei Shabbat, if you wanted to say, Kiddush Levana, you might have had a little bit of difficulty, depending on when you finished, finished Marit. So that the day, the day of Shavuot, is not clear in the time of the, of, of the Mishnah. You don't know when, when Shavuot is going to come out. It'll come out uh, Vav Sivan, or Zayin Sivan, or Chet Sivan, it depends on, on how many days of the Rosh Chodesh, because between Nisan and Shavuot, there are two new moons. Er Sivan. I hope that the... That the looks on your face don't indicate that you're in a different planet. <laughs> but I, I just want you to understand that we have organized it. We have organized it that it always turns out that the 50th day of Surat Omer is called Chag Shavuot. That it always, it, 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 it could be called Chag Shavuot, but it wouldn't be Zman Matan Torateinu unless it fell out on the sixth day of Sivan. So it falls out of the sixth day of Siva. That's what happens. Now, the problem that I would like to deal with is the problem that's brought up by the Ramban. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban doesn't even bring it up as a problem, but we'll make it into a problem. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban says this. He's going back. The Ramban is talking about the first instance of Svarata Omer in the Torah, which is the parish of Emor. Kemo, he said. He's looking at the words. Usfartem lachem, ulekachtem lachem. Ulekachtem lachem. What is ulekachtem lachem? What? Remember, on Sukkot, everybody, you have to take a lulav and an esrog and etc. Right? So what does ulekachtem lachem mean? Each and every one of you. Not you collectively, or you are representative for you, not like, like a Dayan, or somebody in the Beit Din takes a Lulav and Esra of the Saints and everybody says, yay? No. Everybody has to have a Lulav and an Etrog. It's true that Halacha, you could have a Lulav and Etrog, foot. you could also take a Lulav from somebody else and, and make a Bracha on that Lulav, if he gives it to you. But, but in principle, it's every single person needs a lulav and an etrog. And so he says, what does usfartem lachem mean? What does usfartem lachem mean? The Ramban says that every single person has to count. Every single person has to count. Because we know it's a mitzvah to say, so men have to do it and women don't have to do it, even though it's very it's customary uh, today for, for, for women to count Sriyat especially young girls. Very young girls love to count Sphere Soma. And uh, I, I mean, it's, it, it's fine, it's great, you know. But it's like different, there's a change. The young girls' grandmothers probably didn't count Sphere Soma. But you know, everybody wants to improve. So that's good. Kemola Kachtem Lachem. 
Every single person has to count. And he said, this is the way we understand it. That Svirat Omer is about, not about knowing when the 50th day is, but it's also about knowing how many days have passed and how many days are still left. And the only way you could do that is if you count every single day. The uh, the Ainkain, the Ainkain, the Safarlo, the Safralo. These are the Psukim about a Zav and a Zava. Right? Someone who has either a nocturnal emission or a woman who, who uh, becomes what we call today a Nida. So she also has to count seven days. Right? The, the Zav has to count seven days. But you don't have to stand in the middle of the street and count, right? I mean, that's ridiculous. You just have to know when seven days pass. So the Rabbad says, in the Torah, there's a difference between when the Torah says, which everybody has to count. It's not enough to know something, but you have to actually count out loud, even if you know it. So even if you have a sign in shul, that's as big as Kiddush Levana, and it says what day of the Omer it is, that doesn't matter. You have to count the Omer anyway, even though in your head you know very well what day of the Omer, what day of the Omer it is, and that's different than the counting of the Safra law, the Zavin, Sharei Imratsu Omdim Betumatam. So the Rabbi says something else. He says a woman who's a Nida, like an unmarried woman, an unmarried woman is a Nida, she doesn't count, because she's not going to go to the mikvah. She's not going to go to the mikvah, so she remains there. There's no obligation to count. There's no obligation to go to the, to the, to the Ramban. It's only if that's what you want, that you have to count. Right? You have to know when the seven days are up. Also, in the midst of Yovel, at the end of the book of Ayikra, it also says you have to count 49 years, so that you know that the 50th year will be Yoga. What does it say? Safarta Lecha. Meaning that you should know what year you're in, but it doesn't mean you have to count. It doesn't mean everybody has to get up and say, on Rosh Hashanah, this is the year 7, or this is year 24. You don't have to say that. You have to just know. You have to know when Yovel comes. So, Erev Yovel, it's enough that you open up the television and some religious looking guy is sitting on the television saying, look, the Yovel is about to come. So that's, that's also good. That's fine. Except by Yovel there's a special halacha that, uh, that he quotes. He says, That there's a special halacha that even though you don't have to count, the Beit Din has to count. Okay. But in other words, the Rabban has made a crucial distinction. And the Rabban has told us something very interesting. He says that there are a number of mitzvot in the Torah which could be called mitzvot of counting. You have to count. But the mitzvah of Svirata Omer is special because the mitzvah of Svirata Omer is not about knowing when the 50th day is. Because if the, the idea was to know when the 50th day is, it would be enough for the rabbi to count. It would be enough for the Din to count. It would be enough to put on a, like a, a thing on your computer that would count. Every time you open the computer, it will tell you what day of the Omer it is. That would be enough. But since it says, it means that every single person has to know what day is today. What day is today? So today, yesterday. Yesterday was 28 days in the Omer. Yesterday. So what was important? Why do I have to know that? I mean, what did I do? Did I do something different? Did I act differently? It's like just another obligation. But of course, the Ramban points out to me that it would be important for me to understand why every single day has to be counted and why every single person who, who is involved in this mitzvah has to know what number today is. Like I said in the beginning, we don't have any trouble making Pesach on the 15th day of Nisan. And we wouldn't have any trouble making Shavuot on the 6th day of Sivan. Why do we have to count the days in between? 
in between. And certainly the fact that this day you bring this carbon and that day you bring a different carbon doesn't seem actually to help us. Uh, so here the Ramban, because the Ramban was a great Talmud Chochem, he reminds us of the fact that the Pasuk about Sfirat HaOmer, right, Usfartem Lachem, Mimacharat HaShabbat, Sheva Shabbatot Mimot, that the Sfirah of, of Sfirat HaOmer is special, because we count the weeks and the days. Right? Because even though even though it's true that in the Rishonim there are different positions on this matter. But the generally accepted position is that if it's the 15th day of the Omer, today is not the 15th day of the Omer. If it's the 15th day of the Omer, we count two weeks, it's 15 days, which are two weeks and one day. Right? That's how we do it. So you, you obviously we're doing it twice. Because if you say it's 15 days, so you could ask, uh, most children will be able to tell you that that's two weeks and one day. But it's not clear what the directive in the Pasuk is. Whether the Pasuk says that you have to count, and you have to count the weeks. So we do both. Right? That's how we are. Right? We, wanna, we play it safe. We want to be able to go up to God Aden and say to the Rebbe, well, you did it. We did the maximum. Can't do more with Sphere Salma than we do. We count the days, that we count the weeks, and the days that are left over. And there are other positions, there are other positions, but the Ramban just adds, he says, I don't know if in this case, Svirata Omer is a model. When the Beit Din counts the 50 years of the Shemitah and Yovel, how they should do it, let's say after the eighth year. Do they also say, it's the eighth year, which is seven, seven plus one, Right? Do they say that or not? Right? Because there isn't a, a, a really a word in Hebrew for seven years. It's the same word, Shabbatot. So we don't know exactly what. It is. So that's what the that's what the Ramban said. That's what the Ramban says. Okay. Now, the rest of the Ramban is also very interesting, but uh, I want to go to the Sefer Achinuch. Sefer Achinuch, as you know, at the bottom of the second page, the Sefer Achinuch as you know, is, a, is an exposition on mitzvot. The Sefer HaChinuch to, took the list of mitzvot that the Rambam wrote in a book that he wrote called the Sefer HaMitzvot, and then he took each mitzvah and he discussed it a little bit. One of the sections that the Sefer HaChinuch always has in discussing uh, uh, the mitzvot is called Mishor Sheha Mitzvah. The root, or we would call it perhaps the rationale, or the reason, or the purpose or, of the mitzvah. These are things that are usually original contributions of the Sefer, the Sefer HaChinuch. You may have noticed that I didn't mention who wrote the Sefer HaChinuch, because you could look it up in Google. <laughs> no, it's not perfectly clear. Usually they say Rav Aaron Alevi, of Aaron Alevi uh, wrote the Sefer uh, Chinuch, but it's not personally clear. So listen to the listen to Sefer Chinuch, just the first paragraph. You see, Sefer Chinuch Mitzvah Shin Vav, Mitzvah Shin Vav, three hundred and six. Mishor Mitzvah Al Tzad Hapshat. He says the simple understanding of the mitzvah is as follows: The Fisha Kali Karon Shal Yisrael. A no Elaha Torah. That's who we are. We are the people of the Torah. That's our defining characteristic. Who are we? We're not just people who do things, but we're the people who have the Torah. And we know that the Medrash says in the beginning, the Medrash Rabbah, the beginning of the that somehow the Torah is the blueprint for the created world. And the, the Medrash mentions specifically 
these uh, factors, Shamayim, Va'aretz, Yisrael. But that's the purpose of creation. God wanted to create a place in which there would be Am Yisrael functioning. And after all, the reason that Bnei Yisrael were redeemed from slavery in Mitzrayim was in order that they should fulfill their purpose and get the Torah. That's why they. That's why they exist. This is what Hashem meant. So he explains the Pasuk that Yitziat Mitzrayim proves that the time has come to serve God. To serve God, to serve God, you have to get the Torah. Because that's the way we, we know about serving about serving God. This is a big deal that we're going to get out of Mitzrayim and go and get the Torah and that we'll be able to serve God. As you have to understand, getting the Torah is a lot more important than leaving Mitzrayim. I mean, there's no comparison. That's what he, that's what he says. So that 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 Svirata Omer, Svirata Omer, according to the Chinuch, and this is a famous, a famous comment, Svirata Omer teaches me what's really happening. You know, Yitzhak Mitzrayim is a big deal. And we, we uh, uh, celebrate Yitzhak Mitzrayim in a very special way. And in a way, that is a big deal. We eat matzah, we avoid eating chametz. We tell the sipur of Yitziat Mitzrayim in the form of a Haggadah. And it's a tremendous enterprise. Pesach is a tremendous enterprise. Shavuot, you remember, is no enterprise at all. If you're fortunate enough to have children who want to stay up all night and learn Torah, you don't even have to prepare any food for Shavuot. <laughs> because they're not going to be there. You know, for for lunch or for for any other time, I mean, that's it. So it's not even a, in in Eretz Yisrael for the for yeshiva guys. It's not even a one day yantif. It's a half a day. You know, start at night. Everybody waits around for the cheesecake, and then somehow bleary eyed they make it to Shachris, and uh, that's it. You go home and you go to sleep. It's the only yantiv that's a half a day long. Compare Pesach to Shavuot. But okay, so Shavuot, you make a cheesecake. But how can you compare that to Pesach? Pesach, you have to clean the house. (laughs) You have to clean the house with Shavuot. So so, uh, uh, you can get the wrong idea. No, you get the wrong idea. So... So the, he doesn't say any of this. We read it together, right? So the, the Sefer Chinuch says that the Torah points me in the right direction. There is no doubt that in history, as far as everyone can understand in the world, and you know that everybody talks about Pesach. Passover is even a holiday in the large supermarkets in America and in the big chain stores. You don't come for your Passover deductions or something. It's a, it's a recognizable holiday. Everybody understands about freedom. Everybody understands freedom is a big deal. And if, I, if we can say as Jews, we invented freedom. You know, like, that's a good thing. That sounds really good. Uh, you know, it wasn't like uh, something that happened in modernity. We invented it. 
But did you ever see anybody outside of Williamsburg or Borough Park? There's a bit about signs about Shavuos, you know, happy getting the Torah. No, because that is really a difficult thing to understand. Because to say freedom, freedom is about something that happened in the past. Right? We received our freedom. It doesn't say anything about how life is or if things are good or bad. Freedom, you had freedom, so, so that's it. Kabbalah's Torah, the Sefer Achinuch implies, is a much more difficult idea to chap. Even though people learn Torah, Baruch Hashem, and there's a lot of dedication to Torah, but to say that the most important thing that ever happened is Shavuos, and not Pesach, that's an effort. It's a bit of a stretch. And therefore the Sefer Achinuch says we count the days from Pesach to Shavuot. Because the counting says to us that something very important is going to happen. What's the important thing that's going to happen? We're going to celebrate Shavuos. But unlike Sukkot, which we celebrate by sitting in a Sukkot, and unlike Pesach, which we celebrate by eating a matzah, Shavuos is celebrated by grabbing onto an idea. And grabbing onto an idea, that's difficult. And we want to turn to Samachta, that the Pasuk says in Devorim, right? You see the Pasuk? As the Avni Nezah says in his introduction, right? That the Simcha, that the that, that Talmud Torah has to produce Simcha, the Simcha Sayom. The Simcha Sayom of Shavuos, the way we, we celebrate it, is not about eating meat. <laughs> there are people who don't eat meat, oh, they eat milkshakes, and then they stop, they walk around the block, they eat meat, I mean, it's kind of a little annoying, right? But they, they don't know what they, nobody knows what they're doing, they don't eat meat, and they don't drink wine, it's all, you know, it's Shavuos, because I remember you eat milkshakes, and you drink coffee, right? It's not like Pesach, Pesach, I mean, you can eat milkshakes and drink coffee, unlikely, it's an unlikely uh, resolution, but, but Shavuos, there's nothing to grab onto. It's only the Simcha of Talmud Torah. So Simcha of Talmud Torah, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. Now how am I going to convince you that Shavuos is more difficult than Pesach? How am I going to convince you that Shavuos is coming up? So the Sefer Chinuch says, we count the days from Pesach to Shavuos. But the Sefer Chinuch does not explain why counting was used as the vehicle in the Torah to make me understand that Shavuos was so important and what was coming up was so special. That he doesn't explain. And I would like to add, unfortunately, or fortunately, or unfortunately, you know, sometimes I have an idea and I know if I look hard enough, I'll find it in some Hasidic Sefer. But this time I couldn't find it. So I'll leave you with the idea. Maybe you'll find it in Hasidic Sefer. This is what I thought to myself. You know, infinity is an annoying idea. An annoying idea. Now, somebody comes up to me, I'm not a physicist. And I don't know too much about it, even though I've asked physicists now and then. And it says to me, it says infinity. Uh, the cosmos is infinite. So I think about that. And I don't know if it's infinite or it's not infinite. But I try to figure out, should that annoy me? <laughs> I mean, is that something that is against something else that I think is right? They said, well, I mean, how does infinity... How does infinity fit in with God? So, I always thought that God was infinity. That God was everything. So if God is everything, then there can't be anything else that's everything. But it looks like sometimes that there's infinity all over the place. For example, when I was, I remember when I was in high school, I learned geometry. I don't know if that's a good idea. Not a good idea that they teach kids, you know, things that are really exciting and they don't, not able to absorb them. 
So they told me that there are infinite number of points on a line. Did you ever hear that? Yes. That's what they told me. And so they said, uh, so I had a teacher who was like a comedian, so he would take his chalk and he would, they had chalk in those days. <laughs> chalk and blackboards. Or, that was even before they had green boards or white boards. Just blackboards. Took his chalk, he pulled up a kid from the class and said, start counting. <laughs> Start counting. You see how many points there are on the line. So, all right, so, so he didn't do so well. And he decided that there were an infinite number of points on the line. So infinity. Infinity is an annoying notion. You've got to find infinity just someplace. Like, like the universe. Is the universe infinite? I mean, it's pretty big. I mean, it's undescribably big. But is it infinite? Is it like, that's it. There's, there's just everything. That the, the cosmos is everything. When the world was created, when the world was created, we usually say, this is a medieval idea, which is where I'm up to in <laughs> philosophy, right? A medieval idea that time was created when the world was created. Because in order to have time, you have to have change. In order to, in order to have a watch, you have to have sunrise and sunset. You have to have things that happen periodically that you can measure and connect yourself to. So if you'll say the day is from sunrise to sunset and the night is from sunset to sunrise, which is not such an unreasonable thing to say, you can then take that time and divide it up and say, oh, it's, we're halfway finished with day or we're three quarters of the And that's how we tell the time. Of course, we had to have certain conventions. We, we turned the day into 12 hours, and the night into 12 hours. It was easier. But in theory, in theory, you understand how this happened. But you have to have change. The world had to be created by God as a changing place in order for there to be time. In order for there to be time. That's the way, that's the way we understand it. So we could say, God created time because before the creation... There was no change. There was only God. And you can't say that God is changeable or that things go from one place to another. God is God. So God created created time. Now when it comes to this problem of infinity, when it comes to this problem of infinity, one of the annoying things about, it, about notions of infinity is time. Like, time just seems to go on and on and on and on. And if time goes on forever, if time goes on forever, then, then we don't know where we are anymore. Because Hashem should be forever. But everything else should not be forever. So time, time becomes an annoying thing. So that in order to receive the Torah which we think is beyond time because as I mentioned before the Torah was that which HaKadosh Baruch looked into to create the world so that means that somehow the Torah is God's thought somehow and God's thought is like God just like God is always so the Torah is always so that the preparation for Kabbalah HaTorah and Shavuos has to be the preparation for this idea that there's timelessness in the world in which we live. And that not everything can be recorded and measured and put down. So what do we do? We count the days until Shavuot. Right? We count them. And then we say there are 49 days till Shavuot. And then it comes to an end. Right? It doesn't go on forever. And that's how we prepare ourselves for Shavuot. By saying that everything in the created world, even those things that may seem to us at first to be exceptions, but everything in the created world is finite, has a limit. The only things that are limitless are the Torah itself and the Creator. Right there, the nature of the Torah 
limitless and the nature of the creator is limitless so what we do is what we do is we prove to ourselves by counting the omer that time has a beginning and an end for us the way we understand it and even though it seems to us that at times the time goes on in an infinite way in fact time is under divine control and HaKadosh Baruch says, listen, it starts on the second day of Pesach and it ends 49 days later. What ends? The counting of the Omer. So that's the way we prepare ourselves for Matan Turi. So the, Ramba, the, the Sefer HaChinuch said, the Sefer HaChinuch said, listen, 49 days prepare you for Shavuos. Why? Because Shavuos is more important than Pesach. Pesach is about something that happened in the past. And Shavuos is about who we are, what our self-definition is dependent upon. And not about some, uh, some improvement in world social conditions. But the Sefer Achinach doesn't explain to us why the Torah chose that method to teach us that the Torah is very important. That what's going on on Shavuos is even more important than Pesach. And I thought to add to what the Sefer Achinuch said, the following, that we often, we often find ourselves in a position where we are limiting the grandeur of creation. We think about other things, we think about it in other ways. And one of the problems that we have is that we think about time as being infinite, as never ending, as going on. And so in, if we think that way, it's more difficult for us to accept the dominion and the, the glory of the Torah, which reflects the fact that infinity or the infinite state of things only exists with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and with, and with the Sefer Torah. And therefore, we count, and the counting comes to an end. And that's what we say. We said time is something that is created. It's derivative. It's not something that is there that we have no way of, of controlling. But in our minds, we can accept this idea that there's a beginning to things and an end to things and that the only infinity that there really is is in heaven with Hashem and the Torah that we learn on Shavuos. Have a good Shabbos. Um, Marif, <coughs> against what I said, we have to have Marif and say, Spirit's over. <laughs>